Thanks, everybody, for listening to Titans Talk. Tonight, Landon and I discuss Antonio Brown, the NFL Combine, where we think guys are overrated and underrated so far in the draft process, and who we'd pick at 19. Thanks for listening. How about Antonio Brown? It's the lead story in the NFL right now. There's so many balls in the air, pardon the pun, when it comes to this guy. The supposed domestic violence, the weird stories uh, that we've read, that seems to be subsiding. There's so much going on. Uh, where do you think this guy's value is? It does appear that he'll be traded this offseason, which is amazing for a guy. That it's caliber. pretty much guaranteed because he met with one of the Roonies, and they left the talk thinking that a trade was in the best interest for both sides. So it's just not official yet because the March deadline has to pass. But They're really ready to dump him, Landon, because they're going to still eat $20 million yeah. of his $21 million salary next year. They They want him gone. I don't think – I think some folks have – said, hey, there's, there may not be. This is maybe smoke and mirrors. I, I think they don't want to put up with this anymore. I don't think they like being known as this high-drama franchise. I think they're ready to dump him. It's just so intriguing to try to ascertain his value. What What do you think his range is as far as what kind of pick he can get, uh, the I Steelers there, can get in return for him? There is no way in my mind that Antonio Brown is suiting up for the Pittsburgh Steelers next season. Just – the rift that has been created is just way too big to justify bringing it back. And for his value, I've seen anywhere from a late first by a team with multiple firsts, like Green Bay with pick 30 from New Orleans or one of the Raiders' late picks. That seems too, that seems too high given his toxic personality and the trouble that comes with him. Right. But at the same time, I've, like our friend John has said, a fourth might go for him. And there's no, I see no way that a top three wide receiver – who has yet to slow down, has three more years on contract, he's going to be moved just for a fourth. I think his value is a mid-second to mid-third range, so from the high 40s into the 70s would be my expectation for where it goes. Maybe right. San Francisco for their third rounder. I think all the stuff we're reading now in the national media, some of those make sense. Uh Green Bay obviously has two first-round picks. They have pick 30 along with their own pick because of the uh, trade they made last year, the draft day trade with New Orleans uh, where they moved up – where New Orleans moved up to pick Davenport. 30 is probably, like you said, based on that logic, too high. The guy will be 31 this next season. Uh, You've got to think he'll slow down at some point. The guy has been amazing. But I think at some point there's just so – much drama and so much weirdness has really hurt his value, which is amazing because when you watch this guy on a certain Sunday, the last, I mean, five seasons, he has looked like pound for pound the best NFL player at times, uh, several times in the last several seasons. So He's been the only consistent top three receiver in the past half decade. Yeah. Beckham, Julio, Hopkins have all faded in and out, but it's always been Antonio Brown as top three, no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you watch the game, he, that bears out. He's definitely a super skilled guy. Yeah. What if they – what if, let's say, in, in Green Bay, everybody throws out Green Bay because of the need and, and all this stuff. But I know they have new leadership and a new front office that took over this time uh, last um, offseason. But, Landon, they just do not traditionally, historically, have not made this kind of move. Do you really think they could – uh, they could bring on a guy with this baggage? I really see Green Bay as kind of the front runner in a way. I mean, asset-wise, they obviously do because I know the 49ers are a popular option, but 
outside the New Orleans first is much higher than the Niners second pick, second rounder. And there's no way San Francisco gives up the second pick for Antonio Brown. So Green Bay happening. has the has the assets, but it's just I especially with LaFleur coming in, trying to establish his own identity, to bring in a guy that toxic, I just don't really understand why they would do it from a locker room standpoint. From a purely roster standpoint, if they give up their second round for Antonio Brown, if you just look at it on paper, that's a good move. You've got Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Brown, and Devontae Adams all on the Yeah, on paper, team. it looks incredible. Yeah, if you just ignore all of Antonio Brown's character faults and the baggage that comes with them is a great idea, but, but NFL teams, NFL teams, exactly. The NFL teams have shown that they've been more cognizant of off the field behavior and more conservative in terms that's of that's why this. he won't go for a first. Exactly. Cause he's got first round talent. I mean, Brandon cooks went for a first twice, but Brandon cooks is a, is a boy scout. And uh, that, that shouldn't be lost on the NFL fans. What about the absolute best fit? I, for me, you've touched on it already. I think the 49ers, Shanahan has made uh, a lot of receivers uh, look amazing. Uh, I think of uh, Julio Jones. No, he didn't need Shanahan to make him look amazing, but uh, particularly in Shanahan's schemes over the he last several years, star, star receivers seem to get the ball a lot, um, is what I mean. And, of course, they have the draft capital to do it, and they've, they have pressure – to uh to to put some some offensive talent around uh Jimmy G. So I I think for me and I know everyone's uh, saying that between maybe them and the Raiders I think I think San Francisco is is think maybe the most logical uh uh play yeah, for I, them. I agree with San Francisco. It makes the most sense asset-wise, pers- team personality-wise, football-wise. Oakland I just don't really see because it seems like Gruden's idea is they're just going to – they are they almost openly tank this season. And why would you do that? Trade so many of your young guys to get some yeah. first-round picks. True. And trade that for a 31-year-old toxic wide receiver who's really good. He's got oh, three yeah. years left on his deal, but that's I don't think that's Gruden's vision long-term for this team. I don't that's know why he's on a 10-year yeah. deal. He's got time to – Yeah, he doesn't need the drama of Antonio Brown in year two. I think those are excellent points. I could see when they make that move to Vegas, maybe uh, making a splash like this, but they're basically doing an NBA-type uh, rebuild because they, they basically took it down to the studs last year. So why, yeah. would they, why would they bother with this guy? Yeah, if next year they were moving to Vegas, then that would be a lot more likely. Like they might trade their second from – but they're still a year away. Their, stadium, their home stadium – situation this season still isn't resolved no. it just does it doesn't make sense to sacrifice nasa like the the 27th pick for antonio brown on a team where you're likely not going to accomplish anything until you get to vegas yeah i i agree i think there's a lot of lazy reporting uh across the board in the national media but especially on this story because it's like well let's look who has multiple first or second round picks let's look this or that but i think when he gets dealt and he will i think you'll see Maybe a surprise team. Uh, everyone says, oh, well, the 49ers or the Raiders or the Jets. But um, I think uh, this is a very layered uh, issue with his behavior and everything. So it's going to be really interesting to see what this value winds up being. Yeah. If, uh, if you had me pick the, a te- the team that I would think he'd most likely go to, I would say San Francisco. 
But if I had to pick one team, if it's not one of those big names that's already been said, I think Brown will likely go up to not a team that like it's not he probably, he's not going to go to the Patriots. Like, he, but he's not going to go. I don't think he'll go to one of these top mentioned teams like the Packers or the Raiders. He'll go to a middling team that, like where he goes, and you say, "Oh, that makes sense." But it's like, "Oh, they definitely would have done this." Right. Well, Landon, this is a Titans podcast, so where where do the Titans fit in here? Uh, I for me, I always say on these guys that are troubled or big name free agents, I say the Titans really aren't traditionally players for guys like this, and we don't really want the drama. But we are in win now mode. So, what what would you put if you had to add it, put a percentage or any kind of likelihood to uh, the Titans being in play for Brown? Well, I'll put my percentage as a chance that they look into him. Not that they make a hard offer, but they even consider bringing him in. I would say there's a thirty percent chance that we look into trading for Antonio Brown just because of how toxic he is to to a locker room. Like you said, we're in win now. Mariota's in his fifth-year option. Bayard has to be extended. We got we have some young, promising rookies that will need to be paid in a couple of years. So if we were to – if we needed – if there's any other time to need a superstar wide receiver, now would be the time. That's a really good point. For me, uh, he fits maybe – our biggest need besides uh, maybe an interior offensive lineman or a pass rusher. We could use obviously a receiver. He is a star receiver. Uh, But I think if he came to Nashville, he would immediately be complaining. We are a run first offense. That's not what we would do. And I think it would be obviously just not a good fit, but it's a Titans podcast. So we have to discuss it. Stranger things have happened. I think it would be like his last season where, he got so much attention and Juju Smith-Schuster had a breakout year, I think would be something along those lines. And let me just say, this was Antonio Brown's worst year in a couple of years. He still had over 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. Man. He's good. Unbelievable. The guy is terrific. Uh, let's uh, move gears here. This is the offseason. We're obviously big-time draft Knicks. We've been reading the mocks. Uh, I – I watch a lot of film, Lan. I know you do too. I don't know where some of these guys, I don't know if they're watching the same film as me. It's just unbelievable. Year after year, we see uh, these these national folks just sort of uh, cherry-pick stats and guys from, from big conferences. Um, all that being said, we are a week from the combine, and we're going to learn a ton. We'll talk about that later. But right now, Lan, uh, who who's your pick? Who's your ideal pick of somebody we could get? Reading through all these uh, mock drafts, uh, at at nineteen, who if the draft was tomorrow, you're picking among people that that might be there. Who who's your pick right now? I would say, and by the time the draft comes around, with the lack of premier offensive line talent, he'll likely be gone before them. But Cody Ford, offensive lineman from Oklahoma. He can play tackle, but he's also projected to be able to switch to guard. And obviously, interior offensive lineman is probably our single biggest concern. It was just terrible all last season. And obviously, protecting Marcus, getting Henry going would all be a great fit. But I think when the end of April comes around, he'll go way higher than 19. Just because there's so few good offensive linemen compared to last year. The, yeah, that, that fuels my next point. Lan, uh, 
do you think Ford will be the second offensive lineman off the board uh, as of right now? Jonah Williams, I would think, would be the first uh, off the board. Is Ford that second guy right now for you? Right now, I'd say he's the second guy just because there's so many unknowns. Like, there's no Mike McClinchy where even coming into before coming into the process, you just look at him, you know, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's going to – someone's going to pick him in the top ten. I, yeah, I so knew that, yeah. There's there are some interesting guys that will rise out of the combine, like Jawan Taylor from Florida, more of a pure right tackle. Is probably going to be the second best tackle, but as of right now, I think Ford is definitely the second best behind Jonah Williams. Yeah, and he would fit our needs. That's a good pick. For me, it's a guy like you. At 19, um, I want us to pick a guy that I would not have dreamed would be there, but in my drafts, he's there. I, I don't expect him to be here, uh, but Dexter Lawrence, uh, of course, the Clemson defensive tackle, he would be an incredible nose for us. 6'4", 350 pounds, uh, had three excellent years at Clemson, is maybe the biggest football recruit to come out of North Carolina in, I don't know, in 15 years. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's a big-time player for Clemson. Of course, he set out the bowl game because he tested positive for not marijuana, not anything but a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, the kid's got uh, a pretty clean slate. Uh, aside from that, uh, Sweeney vouchers for him and all this. Um, is why, why are all the mock drafts showing this guy available at 19, Lamb? Well, I think it's a couple things. First of all, after the combine, he's usually when these more run-stuffing nose tackles get hyped up because they're suddenly a lot more athletic than we think, and it's recency bias. They're hyped up from the combine. And I think it's because like he's a run-stuffing defensive tackle on – a loaded defensive line on a loaded college defense. So in a, if you just looked at it that way, you would think he might not be that good. But then I think he's he was the most important. Other big four is just they had so many good guys that it's hard to separate one guy's value from another. Yeah. And it's just partially because Vita Veo was such a, a letdown compared to what people were right. hyping him up to be. Like he was hurt, and he was fine towards the end of the season. Like not every rookie is going to be – Quentin Nelson, he's not going to be first team all pro his rookie year and be awesome immediately. Some guys take a while. And obviously, the Bucks passed on Derwin James for Vea, so it's yeah. just overcorrection from Vea probably going a bit before where he was where he should have gone. That's true. I liked Vea, um, and it, it is it has only been 16 games, but he looked like a bit of a miss for me. And those big guys are tough. There's a lot of misses on those guys, but they're so rare that even though Vea didn't perform uh, t- terrifically this last year, you're still going to see teams reach on a-, a big defensive lineman or a big offensive tackle because the need is so great. And if they hit, they get a really cheap contract from a very important position. So I think we'll see uh, Lawrence in the top 10, uh, all things being equal, like is. Uh, his his performance in the combine and interviews and everything. I think we'll see him wow. at the end of the top ten. That's my prediction. But as of right now, um, he's he's down here, which I think is ridiculous. But that's my dream pick for us. I yeah. would love to see us reinforce our offensive or defensive line with that first yeah. pick. I think a more realistic choice. I think come actual draft day, Ford and Dexter Lawrence will probably be gone before us. I think a more likely choice would be the third of the Clemson defensive linemen. 
So one of Lawrence, Cleveland Farrell, and Christian Wilkins would probably be a more likely option if we're going to go defensive line. Because I don't think all three of them will go before us. No, I don't either. And I know John is uh, terrified of Clemson uh, defensive line because of Kevin Dodd. But watching the national championship game that, of course, Lawrence did not play in, they looked like they had four NFL caliber defensive linemen uh, in that game. So, honestly, I don't know which one of those guys is best. It's hard to tell. Like you said, like we've got Alabama and they've got seven NFL caliber guys on defense. It's hard to tell who the the actual anchor is. Any of those guys look, look good to me on tape. Uh, Wilkins looks terrific, uh, but those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Lan, next week is the Combine. The Underwear Olympics, yes. What what intrigues you most? What are you most looking forward to to, to learning and, and kind of having solved this, this next weekend? Well, first of all, to look at the receivers, DK Metcalf, he of the amazing, probably a bit touched up Twitter picture of him looking like a defensive end. Absolute physical freak, 6'4", at least 220, very, super fast, super physical, but has a lot of injury history and inconsistency. If he blows away the combine, then any slim hope we had of him, of Metcalf lasting to us, is just out the door because he's, got, he's the perfect modern number one receiver in today's game. And then the guy after, I think, who is the number two, Nikhil Harry from Arizona State, yeah. he's, a, he's a bigger physical jump ball guy. I'm really interested in see what his his three cone agility drills in his forty are because at times he looks a bit slow and then other times like on this on a punt return this year he suddenly looks he's like he's a lot faster than he really is and that forty time especially for Harry is going to mean a lot because if he runs slow then he's a worse Mike Williams but if he runs faster then I don't think he'll run slow I think Harry is not going to be a blazer. Uh, but I think for his size, I think he's going to run a good time. Yeah, I just meant I just meant like he he's shown enough speed that speed won't be a concern coming. Right. Because that was the thing with Mike Williams, like he was super physical, super strong. He pushed around Alabama, but his forty time was really lacking. So you were yeah. worried about his long speed. Yeah, absolutely. Lan, do you have a prediction on who could really show out and be a workout warrior next weekend? I mean, there are videos of him doing linebacker and defensive back drills this offseason, and I think Ed Oliver has just been the subject of oversaturation because, I mean, he was project he was talked about as the number one pick after his freshman year. Where right, we've known everyone's known about him for a long time, and sometimes that that hurts guys in that third year. I think the Aaron Donald comparisons have kind of hurt him because. This year he because nobody he should hurt. be compared to Aaron Donald. Honestly, yeah, this year he got hurt on a dirty triple block, and then he was kind of whatever last year because he was being careful for his NFL future. And he wasn't destroying teams like if Aaron Donald was dropped into the collegiate game. But he's unre- he's insanely athletic for being a defensive tackle or defensive end, if you really think that. He's agile, he's quick, he's explosive. I think he's going to come out and, especially in the agility drills, he's just going to wow us. And he's going to remind the NFL why he should go Top 15 at the absolute worst. Landon, do you have a player right now on mock drafts and, and buzz that you're hearing? Do you, do you have an overrated player, a guy that, that when you see or you read and you think, 
that there's no way he's going to go here. Uh, man, I, I see Rashawn Gary going top eight in seemingly almost every mock on major websites I see. And I just don't see it. I mean, I think he's going to be another workout where I think he'll destroy the combine. But the thing is, outside of when he had Maurice Hurst two seasons ago, he really hasn't done that much. And if you're drafting him on potential, I'm not going to draft this 6'5", explosive guy to play defensive end or defensive tackle who doesn't look like he has great bender flexibility just because he's super athletic and hasn't produced. Right. If I'm picking top eight, I'm not going to take that big of a risk. Yeah, I, Gary, I see Gary in the top five and top eight a lot. I think Gary's going to go after 15. Uh, he is your ultimate looks good in a uniform guy. And like you said, he'll probably do well at the combine, and he was a big-time recruit. On the field, uh, inconsistent. And he had, you know, moments, but not a ton. And this is your guy that could wind up being, a, you know, a good, solid player. But I, I think he's yeah. too much of a risk. Like, uh, if absolutely. We, yeah. If he went at 19, like, I think that's a good – That's a good risk for the Titans, but I, but I don't think he's going to go, like – at four. Like, that's ridiculous. All these guys think they'll do – you just got to put on the tape and see the guy just did not. He just did not have it. Um, you know, not not at an elite level. So uh, that's a good one for me. For me, it's Josh Jacobs. I I love. I think he kind of caught storm around bowl season because he is a good story. He was like a three or four star recruit from Oklahoma. He was kind of a late add to that to their recruiting class that year. And yeah, the guy's really good. And I and I remember telling you the guy's going to be a good pro because he box. And he catches, he does everything. But because you're a Swiss Army knife, and he doesn't, you're have not a top five pick. Touches. That's that's unreal. The the running backs that are going to go uh, moving forward in the top ten, um, these guys are like Christian McCaffrey and, and Saquon Barkley. Though for me, it's those two because they literally do everything at a very high level, and those are the only guys that you should be able to justify take that high. Uh, other guys are kind of one-dimensional or have injury issues or whatever. And Jacobs is good, but Jacobs is not going to go run some unbelievable time. And he doesn't have a uh, a highlight reel like Barkley's highlights on YouTube. It was unreal. He is not that player. And and we were talking a little earlier uh, before the show about how they just want to push somebody up there. And I think it gets a lot of clicks, uh, like you said, and, you know, Alabama fans or whatever. And I like the player. I like the player at 35. Uh, at, and they know at, it'll at spark, the most, con- not at know five. spark controversy. Because yeah, I wonder. I wonder having, if they really do believe that, like you said. Because saying. having, like, Josh Allen at pick, four, at pick five doesn't generate the revenue and the attention that Josh Jacob goes to Tampa Bay at five in Kuiper's latest mock. Though I think it was yeah. the NFL networks that were doing it. Yeah, I don't think Kuiper had him there. But you're right. I think it's, to me – I don't even know if they're trying to drum something up. I think it's just like lazy research. It's like, oh, yeah, here's a guy from Alabama who has counting stats. It's like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really buy yeah. it. I think he's Jacobs a great kid. Is, but Jacobs is I, I a really decent prospect. Like, he's decent at everything. He doesn't have a bunch of wear and tear. He's a good kid. He can do everything well, but there's no elite skill. And that and that guy's a good NFL player. He, he's someone you want to have on your team, but you're not going to invest – that premium of a draft pick on a guy who's just decent at everything. Exactly. All right, Lance. So who else do you think is overrated at this point in the process? I think Devin White, he's a small undersized linebacker from LSU is 
just being overhyped because he's a big-time athlete, big-time name, big-time school, big-time stats. And with Roquan Smith going so high, it's just kind of giving people justification to say, Devin White can go just as high. But Devin White is maybe six foot, I think. He's – Roquan Smith was six one, I believe. And the thing is, Roquan Smith – was ama- he was great all around. Like you could tell he had the potential to be a good coverage linebacker. He could do everything. And even then I thought Chicago reached on him a little bit. Just because of the position. I mean, uh, Washington play at Georgia he was terrific, but I still thought he reached. Now it worked out for them, but mainly because yeah. they were able to get a uh, just a transcendent pass rusher uh, through a trade. And, and uh, I think Rokon Smith com- complimented him extremely well it worked out for him whatever but i agree with you i think they reached a bit for for smith just because of the position he plays yeah and devin white it's even smaller and he's not as good of a prospect i think because he's a he's a we'll say he's six foot we'll be generous he's a six foot tackling machine decent at coverage isn't great off the blocks because he's small that doesn't sound like a top 10 prospect that doesn't sound like a top 10 linebacker that sounds like a 20s or or 30s guy to me and i think that's where we're going to see him if i'm going to take an off-ball linebacker in the top 10 he better be luke keekley he better be he better be great at everything he better he has to show that it's sort of like the running back thing we're talking about so if you're going to take a running back or tight end or a safety um or one of these positions it's got to be a guy who you think can be absolutely transcendent and and I think that's where we are. This is kind of that silly season of of scouting where we're just seeing guys sort of throw out names. Next weekend, we're going to see – we're going to get more data, so that's going to help kind of separate. A lot more and, data. And so it's going to be good to um, – it's going to be good to see. Land, that's all we have for the week. Uh, guys, uh, tune in to us uh, next week. We'll give you – we'll give you some combine reaction.